Hey, what up? This is Zach Guilford from Midnight Mass, and you're listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Pop Culture Pastor. Pop Culture Pastor. So, Cody, I, uh, I found myself Googling what's the best way to thaw a steak uh, today. With your face after a fight. <laughs> That's the answer. I didn't even need to Google it. No, seriously. I, I'm like, so I want to grill steaks, um, but they're frozen. Like some some nice strips. Um, we got a couple of them, but they're frozen. And I was wondering, like, you know, if I thought and like, can I marinate and thought at the same time? Or is that not a thing? I'm pretty sure you can do that. And like, if you're one of those fancy rich people. You can get that plate that just like automatically dethaws it, like over a course of like five minutes. I am not a fancy rich person, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Give me more information, please. I'd have to do a Google search. There's a plate that can thaw a steak in five minutes. Like all your frozen foods, like instantly dethaw. That sounds fake. Are it was an ass scene on TV. Thing. Oh, okay, but those things never work, right? They do. <laughs> Tell that to the people that have perfect meatloaf because they bought the perfect meatloaf. Perfect meatloaf. <laughs> Tin. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we're going a different direction there. Have you ever bought any of the things that you've seen on TV things? Yes. Well, was it the thigh master? No. <laughs> was it the shake weight? I do know people that own those things. Do you know someone that owns the shake weight? Um, like I had one of my grandmothers, like when they first came out, she bought it and she had a shake weight cause she's like, I don't get enough exercise. <laughs> Why is it always the old people? <laughs> cause as seen on TV is meant for the youth and the elderly. <laughs> um, what have you bought? What have you bought? So my family used to do. Uh, for Christmas and as seen on TV gift exchange. Oh, so then like you bought these junky items and then you gifted them and then you got it. And then you then compared like, Oh, this really works or, Oh, this was garbage. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there was, if there was anything ever that was on the seen on TV stuff that I ever actually really wanted. I think I really wanted some of those like really sharp knives. Oh yeah, who doesn't want those? They're like cutting through tin cans, and I'm I want one, but for no apparent reason because I would like I don't need one. Tin cans, paper. Um, they're cutting through frozen steak, <laughs> and I would just I would the only time I would ever use them is impress impress people at parties. Hey, come see the amazing uh, sharp knife guy. <laughs> I'm going to cut through this whole turkey with one slice. <laughs> Boom. Uh, I've got this chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, welcome. This is Pop Culture Pastor Podcast. Yes. I am a pastor. I'm a licensed reverend. My name is Dave Rimbold. Cody is a licensed pastor. That's me. Minister. What do you guys call your in your neck of the woods? Um, I mean, it depends on the church, but like my particular church, it's pastor or, Hey Cody. Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, I mean, so like you have a title, like, uh, so 
I get called pastor at my church, but occasionally I get mail addressed to Reverend David. It makes you feel special when you get the Reverend. It does. And you didn't ask for it. Although not as special as the, okay, so I don't know if I've told this story before, uh, but there's another David Rimbolt in the United Mm. States. There's one other guy. His name is David Rimbolt. His middle initials A, just like mine, except this David Rimbolt, and it's spelled exactly the same, is an eye doctor in North Dakota, which makes sense because all the Rimbolts are from North Dakota. But he's an eye doctor. And one time, by mistake, I got a cigar aficionado magazine addressed to Dr. David Rimbolt, and I forced my wife to take a picture. (laughs) (laughs) I felt so special. I'm like, look, I'm a doctor. Who's into cigars? Um, <laughs> so speaking of cigar aficionado, I was watching uh, Game Theory on HBO, uh, and it's a sports show hosted by Bomani Jones. I've heard of it. And he uh, showed this clip from Michael Jordan, like a Michael Jordan interview done two years ago for a cigar aficionado. What? And I'm like... That was really a real thing? I thought that was made up all these years. No, no. Only I got, something I can dream about. Yeah, and I looked at the Cigar Aficionado magazine because I'm, you know, in that moment, I was Dr. David Rimbaud. <laughs> and I'm like looking at it and I'm like, I have no idea. I, I wouldn't know a good cigar. I've smoked a couple cigars in my lifetime and I've kind of enjoyed it, actually. Um, now, I'm not allowed to smoke anything. I signed something. The Assemblies of God, they, like, they make you... Anyways, that's not important. Uh, but I have smoked in my lifetime a couple cigars, and I, I remember enjoying it. You were a cigar aficionado back I, in the day. I was. <laughs> I was. And I was looking through this magazine. I'm like, that looks nice. Mm, American made. Yes. <laughs> None of that Cuban junk. <laughs> I don't think I'm doing this right. But, um, anyhow. Whew, it's Pop Culture uh, Pastor Podcast. Welcome. We are uh, going to talk about The Last of Us later, but right now it's time for the news. Cody, you ready for some news? As ready as I'll ever be. Um, Maya Hawk from Stranger Things. Yeah. Son of... Son. Son. <laughs> daughter of Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman uh, is going to be starring as Flannery O'Connor. And one of the most influential modern Christian writers. Um, A, have you ever read Flannery O'Connor's stuff? No. No, I'm going to be honest. I've never heard of Flannery O'Connor when I saw this article. So I'm not going to lie. There was my last year in undergrad. I had all my credits I needed, except I wanted to still be a full-time student. So I needed one more class Mm -hmm. and there was this athlete who didn't do well in like big classroom settings. And when you go to Kansas Wesleyan, you have to have one religion course to graduate. Uh And so he needed a religion course. And one of the religion professors like I can do a Flannery O'Connor class. Okay. And I'm like, I've never read Flannery O'Connor, but I'm intrigued. So the way I would compare Flannery O'Connor would be, um, oh my goodness. Like there's some Stephen King-esque, like she'll mess around with some dark themes, uh, but she was brought up in the South. 
Yeah, Southern culture and Catholicism strongly shaped oh, yeah. her, as well as her own struggles with lupus. Yes, um, yeah. Which she, House told me it's it's never lupus, but apparently it was. With it her. was, and I'm pretty sure she did not live long. Like she really? didn't have a full ninety years on God's green earth, like some do. So, so what's is? I mean, obviously she's a good writer, but why is this an interesting movie? Because she's tragic. Is um, that- so. What's the story? I mean, she definitely does have like a a tragic tale of like, oh, from a young age, she's diagnosed with lupus. And so she uh, is battling that. But she also has these profound stories and her short stories are phenomenal. Um, There's one called A Good Man is Hard to Find. Mm -hmm. Um, The end of it. I have used it in a sermon before. <laughs> okay. So right. like, and truthfully, she hits on some themes that a, a lot of us uh, either don't acknowledge or um, don't ever really think about. And um, she, within her writing, cause she grew up in the South, she is well aware of racism and some of her writings like, the language, it, it would be like Mark Twain okay. the, uh, stuff, um, but she's doing it to show like the toxicity of that environment. And uh-huh. so it becomes part of the story, but it's not in every story because um, she writes short stories. She writes long stories. I have her complete works like a book that has her complete works in it. Okay. It's good. Interesting. So, and on the cover, there's a picture of her in like, yeah, I, I could see Maya Hawk playing Flannery. Do you think they'll like, you know, sometimes these people that they do biopics for, they can be Christians, but maybe they don't focus on that. Do you think they'll kind of leave that out of the movie? Or do you think Ethan Hawk? Ethan Hawke seems like a pretty spiritual guy. Uh, so he did an interview with Stephen Colbert where they talked about their faith backgrounds. Oh, okay. um, and it was, is he a Christian? I believe he said he's Lutheran because Stephen Colbert talked about being Catholic uh-huh. and they made jokes that they're just slightly removed from each other. <laughs> um, and so he, he definitely does have a, a faith background. I don't know how devout he is, um, right. but within this story, I think that you will see uh, some profound moments and some broken moments. And so I, I don't think you can tell the story of Flannery O'Connor without having a faith, strong faith yeah. component in it. He said this to Variety, did Ethan Hawke. Uh, Maya's been working hard for years to put this project together, and we're grateful for the opportunity to introduce a new generation of filmgoers to the genius of Flannery O'Connor. Oh, yeah. Her work explores themes important to all artists, the intersection of creativity and faith, the blurred relationship between imagination and reality. Hey, that's what we do. It is. And A, I'm really amazed that Maya is the one that pushed this. Like. Cause she's young, it, do, and do we got Maya Hawk? Is she a Christian? Is she she with us? And so, can we get her on the pod? <laughs> we need to reach out to her people, evidently, because yeah. <laughs> I really am intrigued by this biopic, and yeah. I really am hoping that 
from this biopic, it will spur some studios to do some of her short stories and uh, longer stories. Yeah. I'm, you know, so I didn't grow up in the church. And then of course I was older when I came in, came to ministry. And so I got like the schooling that was just kind of necessary. I didn't get like, I wasn't able to go off into these creative rabbit holes. So I, I had no idea who Flannery O'Connor was, but I'm, I'm excited to see this. I will say, I, I imagine a lot of Christians don't know who Flannery O'Connor is. And so like, you have to be someone that, just likes phenomenal authors to be yeah. honest okay that's how i'm gonna word it all right well i'm looking forward to that i'm excited uh the razzies they boo okay. what what happened why are you booing the razzies oh i was just booing because razzies are usually bad <laughs> yeah well so every year around the oscar nominations the razzies come out with their nominations uh for the worst acting in movies of the year okay. and this year they got themselves in a little trouble apparently Uh-oh. uh oh they f- they were getting a lot of criticism online for nominating for the for a razzie firestarter star so says the so firestarter was a movie based on a stephen king novel that is a remake oh yeah uh, so drew barrymore when she was very young child actor played this part uh but they nominated ryan kiera armstrong in the worst actress category uh despite the fact that she was 11 years old when this movie was filmed oh this is going to be one of those star wars kids <laughs> stories <laughs> And they boo, nominated her. Boo. They nominated her for worst actor, actor, actress. But then they took it back. Um, they they took it back, and they said they're instituting an age limit for future nominees. From now on, actors will have to be at least eighteen years old in order to qualify for to be insulted by the Razzies. Okay, well, I'm good if you bash Julia Roberts, but <laughs> don't go after the kids. I wonder who like. It'd be interesting to, we should do a show on that. We should do a show on the best actors, worst performances, the worst performances by the best actors. I know one year, like Sandra Bullock got nominated for an Oscar and got nominated for a Razzie. Like it would be interesting to say like, you know, what's Tom Hanks's worst performance? Nothing. The man just does great work. Oh, you you didn't see some of that early stuff. Turner and Hooch will make you cry. <laughs> Bachelor party. That's Classic. old school. <laughs> That'd be we might have to do a show based on Bosom that. Buddies. Um if 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 you're listening to the pod, make sure and comment on our social media when we post this. Give us some reminders of good actors and actresses with they're bad performances because we need some, we might need some help with that. One. So like I, I might struggle with some of those just because there's movies that are awful. And I mean, awful, but like good actors are the best part of them. Like, yeah, so I'm yeah. thinking like Val Kilmer in the early aughts, like anything he's in, what was he's, the, the lion movie. With Michael Douglas. Oh, yeah, like, that one. That movie's not great, but he's, he's he and Douglas are great. Yeah, and yeah. so you, you got to specify. The like, Saint. The, the Saint is an all-time classic, and I will not hear <laughs> nothing about it. <laughs> Let's just talk about all the bad Val Kilmer movies and make Cody mad. Um, but, yeah, so when you message us, remember, it's their bad performance, 
not the movie being bad. Yeah, they have to be bad. They have to be bad. Like, has Julia Roberts ever been bad in a movie? All the time. <laughs> what is your <laughs> what's your problem? Why the Julia Roberts slander? I don't know. Nick Cage. I think he's a great actor. He but is, he's had some stinkers. Cagey. That's the only <laughs> way I can describe him. Uh, Razzie's co-founder John Wilson said in a statement to Variety. He said the recent valid criticism of the choice of 11 year old Armstrong as a nominee for one of our awards brought our attention to how insensitive we've been in this instant instance. As a result, we have removed Armstrong's name from the final ballot that our members will cast next month. He said, uh, sometimes you just do things without thinking and you get called out for it. Then you get it. And so, okay. All right. I hear you, uh, John, but how come John gets a, Wait, that's not how it works on Twitter or social media, John. Then people people say things without thinking all the time, and then they get they get buried, they get doxxed. But like, but we like the Razzies, so we're gonna give them a pass. My my issue is, should you be doing this to anyone? Oh sure, why not? Why not? It's I- a legitimate concern because. I mean, you don't know someone's past. You don't know what someone might be going through. Like, I'm sure they probably nominated Brendan Fraser at some point and then come to find out what he's gone through in Hollywood. And then you all are jerk faces. There are specific instances. Yeah. So I think if I was like the, you know, on the board of the Razzies, I would focus on like what we just talked about, like established well-known actors who we know are good. George Clooney. And and some of them have been, and they've showed up and accepted their reward and, and you know, had fun with it. Like, whoever made Gravity, I would <laughs> give them a Razzie um, yeah, just because, A, it was so unbelievable. B, they never let George Clooney finish a story or a joke. You got to get over it, man. I will never get <laughs> over it. <laughs> and although, like, I don't know that it, either of those two actors are bad in it. It's just the story's dumb. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. awful. Like, she's not living. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, anyways, the Razzies took their nomination back from the 11-year-old or now 13-year-old. Thank and, you uh, for doing the right thing, yeah. even if you did the wrong thing at first. Uh, Cody, are you a fan of Adult Adult Swim cartoons? Um, I have been in the past. So, like uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. No, that one wasn't mine. It was. It's a bizarre cartoon. Venture Bros. That was my go-to. I, I watched it back in the day, and uh, they're bringing back Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Frylock, Master Shake, and Meatwad. And Meatwad is literally a little bundle of raw meat. He is. Yeah. So, like, I I've seen it, but like, it's not must see tv for me i kind of like the neighbor carl he made me laugh (laughs) but it's been so long since i've watched that i mean i'm talking two days ago no like i that must have been that must have been a good 15 to 20 years ago oh yeah i mean is it that old oh yeah because it was on when i was in high school and i'm literally 15 years removed from high school so um let's talk about the oscar nominations they came out Oscars. So let's talk about them briefly. Best picture, which when did we start nominating like 12 movies for this? That's ridiculous. There's so many. It used to be just five. All quiet on the Western front. Um, That movie was made a hundred years ago. 
Well, apparently it's and there's a new one. Avatar: The Way of Water got nominated. No, yeah. Did you guys watch that? Did you watch it? I mean, I'm assuming if they voted to nominate it. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> the Banshees of Insurin, which I've heard good things about. Elvis, which I I thought was a great movie. I I liked Elvis. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Still need to watch that one. Yeah. The Fablemans. Have you seen the Fablemans yet? No. Tar. Top Gun Maverick. (sighs) Okay, if you're going to include Avatar, you got to include Top Gun Maverick. Well, I think this is why they expanded it. Because it used to be five movies, and it literally was like, you know, they the nominees for the best five movies. And then they expanded it, and then they would throw in all these like ones that had commercial success. Yeah, those two not phenomenal stories but, well, well hold on i enjoyed the crud out of top gun uh, yeah but i it, loved every minute of that movie just sitting there watching it but i can i can tell you it like doesn't deserve to be nominated for best picture. yeah like it's not like something deep intellectual profound life-changing it was fun yeah that's does, what it was it doesn't have to be life-changing <laughs> if it is in the best of the best yes uh, best director, Banshees of Insurance, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fableman, Steven Spielberg, Tar and Triangle Sadness. I thought I would read you Best Director because we're gonna we're gonna add on to that here in a in a minute. Austin Butler got nominated for actor for Elvis. There you go. Uh, which you know I thought he was good in it. I'm surprised that that he got recognized for this. But Brendan Fraser also for The Whale. Are you rooting for him? Um all the time and i have been before george of the jungle <laughs> colin farrell also got nominated for best actor uh kate blanchett anna de Armas, uh michelle williams michelle yo uh some of the uh, notables for best actress best supporting actor uh, our guy kihai kwan yep i hope he wins just so I, I never thought i'd see the day where data where two of the goonies would win oscars because our, our other guy that played brand did one one too right for uh uh what was the movie with the uh ah the cohen brothers oh where, uh, where he was with the 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 spanish guy yeah uh no country no, for old men. men yeah i'm pretty sure he won for that brolin i hope so like best sporting actor maybe so he we did get, a good job in we it. Get it if Corey feldman would get in gear we might get three uh, what about our what about our guy Mikey? I was going to say Samwise. <laughs> did did he win one? Did he get nominated for Samwise? He should have. Best supporting actress Angela Bassett for Wakanda Forever got nominated, so she could win a she could win an Oscar to be the first Marvel Oscar winner. About time Marvel steps yeah. up their game. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, which. The Batman has three Academy Award nominations, and I don't know how, like, cinematic experience isn't one of them, but foo-foo. Um, yeah, you can go on the, you can go out on the, you know, find the total list out there somewhere. I do want to talk about uh, this Till director, who is, um, you know, that was the one of biopic about Emmett Till. Oh, yeah. The mother of Emmett Till. Uh, writer, director, and I'm going to butcher this name, I'm sure. Chinonye Chukwu. Uh, she was not happy oh. that she didn't get nominated or the movie didn't get nominated and spoke out against the, quote, unabashed misogyny towards black women 
in the wake of the nominations. She said uh, on her Instagram, we live in a world and work in industries that are so aggressively committed to upholding whiteness and perpetuating an unabashed misogyny towards black women. And yet I am forever in gratitude for the greatest lesson of my life. She she's thankful. And she says a lot of the things she's thankful for here. Here's, here's why I bring this up. Well, first of all, do you believe her or is this sour grapes? I, I, so, I will tell you that most experts believe that this movie would not insiders did not expect it to get nominated for best picture or best director. They thought uh, the actress had a chance. Yeah. So, but just a chance. It wasn't a far gone conclusion. You. So the story has deep and impactful meaning to it. And especially since it's based on a real life event, um, it's difficult to encapsulate all of the emotion, all of uh, the severity of the event that this movie is based on. Yeah. And just because you have a great story and you have a great actress doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get nominated for being a great director. Yeah. And I get it. I get it's probably super emotional, mm -hmm. you know, like to make this movie because it's not an easy story to tell. Um, and it's an, but it's an important story. I think we can all agree that it's an important story to tell, especially history wise. But like, I don't know the misogyny towards black women thing, given that Ariana DeBose won last year for best supporting actress for her role in West side story. Um, you know, the, and I'm just looking at the women, uh, quest love and Will Smith both won last year. Um, Samuel Jackson, Daniel Kaluuya. That's all from last year, Cody. Yeah. And and then, but that's only one lady, her H E R. Yeah. She goes by her. She won best original song, uh, in 2021 and, um, Regina King won best sporting actress, 2018, you know, like, so, I mean, Halle Berry, of course, won it way back. I, I know, um, Oh, what's her name? The, the warrior queen. She didn't get nominated this year. Yeah which a lot of people thought she might Viola Davis. She um, won back in 2017 for R fences. Ryan Coogler was nominated last year for Judas and the black Messiah. Um, for but his she said, she said specifically towards black women. So I'm going to, you know, like, and I mean, it definitely is an area that the Oscars uh, should be mindful of. Because I would probably venture to say that there has been very few instances of black women directors uh, being nominated. Yeah, maybe. I guess, like, DJ said something on last week's pod about the percentage. He said African Americans make up 11% of the population. And he said, if you look at that, then it should equal out to 11% of any given thing, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm going to doubt that within the even if we did a ten year sample, that five point five percent of directors have not been black women. Directors. Yes, because that's that her I, criticism. I'm a, like I think, 
Yeah, I get she said I get that. Directors. She's saying directors, but if you widen that to the acting spots, that percentage goes up over eleven. I'm I'm willing to bet. Acting, yes. Directing, no. And directing has, I guess, so more. I would say it has more power than the acting. Yeah. Do you think she's right? Then do you think? Do you think there's? It's weird to talk about like such a liberal area, a liberal pocket, still being controlled probably by corporate interests. So it's not weird that. Do you think there's still some latent whiteness? In Hollywood. So that's, that's in control. Do you think that's it's fair for her to say that? I, I think it's fair for her to call it out. I'm not going to say for 100% that, oh, yeah, that's what happened right, here. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and again, like if I was someone that was part of the nominating crew for the Oscars, I'd be mindful. Like I'd keep my eyes open and yeah. Yeah. I would. Be like, okay. I mean, they could only nominate five. There's only five. There's had there's way more than five good movies last year. And so if you have expanded the best picture to a dozen, might as well just expand the directors. Well, that'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see them do that. Um, I haven't I need I want to see this movie. Slash, I will also say I despise the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, right. And well, so right. like I could care less. Um, but to them, it's like the pinnacle. It is. Right? It's the best honor they can have. Right. For us normies. Yeah. Like the Oscars are kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, especially when I, I'm not even going to go there. And not it is like it, no matter what. I mean, so like think about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock last year. What he had to give up was his membership in the Academy, right? Yeah. So these people just vote on it. All these people vote on their own thing. It's still like a popularity contest, right? Anytime you got people voting on something and it's not a huge group, like this is, this isn't like the whole country votes, right? So, uh, you know, there's going to be some, it's going to be a latent, you know, popularity contest, but, um, the sheriff, uh, more details emerged about Jeremy Renner's accident. So last week we talked about this, Cody, Jeremy Renner. I don't think he's going to be Hawkeye anytime soon. Um, according to the sheriff's department, the actor was crushed by his snowplow. Uh, identified as a piston bully snow groomer on his property in Nevada. Uh, What happened was um, the piston bully, which is the the snowplow began to slide because he was trying to pull his nephew out of a ditch or something in the snow. It caused Renner to exit the vehicle without setting the emergency brake. And as it rolled downhill, he realized it was heading directly toward his nephew, feared that the snowplow was going to hit his nephew, so he tried to stop it. So he climbed up there to try and stop or divert the, the snowplow, and he got uh, he got pulled under the vehicle by the track. So like, you know, like a tank track. Yeah. And that just sounds awful. He broke uh, the, more of his condition and what happened to him came out here. He suffered blunt chest trauma and orthopedic injury, so it ran over his his upper chest cavity. Oh my gosh! 
How is he's? I can't believe he's alive. Well, they did say it was touch and go. He was discharged after two weeks and revealed on social media just in the last couple of days that he broke more than 30 bones, uh, but remains in good spirits as he undergoes physical therapy. So, man, praying for Jeremy Renner. That's like evil Knievel stuff. <sighs> I'm telling you what, that is just crazy. Crazy. All right. Hey, uh, before we get to the main subject, Cody. We got to talk to Scotty because we got a new segment on the program coming up and he's got to tell us about it. To the geek phone! The geek geek phone. All right. We're here on the geek phone with Scotty. Hey! Our our comic book geek of the round table. And all things just geek culture, really. Yeah. Scotty, uh, we are joining, you're joining us on the geek phone, uh, for a specific reason, not mostly because we just like talking to you. I love being here guys. We just, uh, we just like having Scotty on Scotty. Do you have any bits of wisdom just to share with us before we get to why you're here? Um, keep on reading, keep on taking in all this geek knowledge, geek <laughs> all, knowledge, all the, movies, all the books, all that. Ah, yes. Okay. So Scotty is here because he's going to have a regular geek phone appearance on the program. I don't know how regular. Oh, snap. (laughs) Yeah. He just will be on uh, for something called Comics Conclave. Now, tell me what a conclave is, Scotty. (laughs) Kind of a secret meeting. Mm. It sounds Catholic. Uh, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like we're electing a pope. Uh, it sounds very either. esoteric. <laughs> You're gonna have to. Yeah, okay, what's es- esoteric? It, it again is more with that secretive, oh, okay. like divine secretive knowledge stuff. Okay, so, so esoteric is one of those words I've heard, obviously, but I, I don't think I ever heard it used properly in a sentence. See, we're learning things even before yeah. we start. See, look at this. So, Scotty, this is this was all your idea uh, to have on the uh, Pop Culture Pastor Podcast. Tell us what we're going to do on Comics Conclave. I thought it would be a fun way to, you know, each week we introduce a new either graphic novel, a one-shot, maybe a, a single-issue comic that we could throw at the listener, kind of like a fun, like, nerdy book club pretty much awesome yes so scotty's gonna be like our own personal comic book uh recommender i was going to say he is the next oprah (laughs) yeah yes yeah yeah you get a graphic novel and you well you're gonna you guys are gonna have to buy the graphic novel yourself scotty's comic book of the week club we will be not be supplying scotty's <laughs> comic book of the week you're gonna have to go find it on your own although there's several apps now if it's yeah, oh yeah if you want people to read like a, a, a particular run in a comic oh, the yeah. marvel app i have the marvel app that's nice yeah i do too and I've, the dc one's really good um i sound like comicsology though is going to be gone but <laughs> rest in peace yeah rip comicsology um okay so the plan is is do we will we tell them beforehand so they get a chance to read it maybe before they go to the pod or are we just gonna we just gonna tell them what they should read? I, I think you know we 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 can do the first you know unveil the first title and then they can shoot us questions in you know through the Facebook or anything like that and then the next week we can 
we can talk about it, I guess. Okay, awesome. So, all right. So, do, we want to release what we're going, which which the first title is? Yeah, for sure. Do, do What's you ha- the you first one? title have, of C I Squared? Have I have one. And I, it is one of my favorite DC books ever, by the way. Um, it is Kingdom Come, actually. Oh, yes. That's a classic. Oh, that's it one is. of my favorites, too, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> I read that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Good, good one to start with. A good variety of characters and and a great story and some amazing art. It's kind of a it's kind of a almost a, for comic books. It's almost post apocalyptic. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So we're just going we're just going that direction since this is on this episode we're talking about Last of Us, and uh, next week we're going to talk about Kingdom Come. That's like now Kingdom Come. Just to give a little preview, that's is that like one of the top five DC stories ever? You think? I would say, yeah, for sure. It's right up there with probably Dark Knight Returns, you know, any of the yeah. frame of Batman stuff for sure, you know, um, easily, you know, yeah. you know, Final Crisis is up there, you know. All right. So next week, we're going to have Scotty on for Comic uh, Conclave. It's going to be a, an occurring bit, and uh, it'll just be whenever Scotty's ready to talk about something different. We'll go to the geek phone, and next week, next week's pod... Uh, everyone listening, y'all should, if you haven't read kingdom come, please do, you should go out and try to locate that. Um, it's, they may, it's even, it's they may the even, yeah. What, what was that? It's on the DC app as well. Oh, it's on the DC app. Okay. So it if you is, have the yeah. DC app, I was going to say, I bet that's one you can find like at your library. Yeah, for sure. It, it's probably right up there, you know, with it's right next to Watchmen in the library. Yeah. All right. So kingdom come the first story that will be featured on Comic Conclave with Scotty. Yes. Coming up next week. Uh, Scotty, is there anything else you want to say about Comics Conclave to to kind of get people ready? Or is, is there any, any any sort of bottom line to it? No, I, I think I, the thing, you know, I most want to do is kind of introduce some titles that maybe people have never read, you know, um, and things that, you know, maybe, you know, one day we'll see done another medium too so you know awesome awesome well we're excited i might have to read through kingdom come again this week reminder you can send questions over the the facebooks yeah and we'll uh we'll put a post on social media for comic conclave and kingdom come and if anybody has any questions they would like to throw at scotty or the panel we'll just be the panel for that Yeah. yeah i mean Definitely Scotty's the expert, but it is one that I've read. So yeah. I'm excited. Read this one. Yeah. That won't that I don't I wonder how many times that'll happen. It will be few <laughs> and far between. <laughs> so Scotty, before we get off the geek phone with you, we're talking about Last of Us. Are you watching that on I HBO Max? Yet. I have played the games, but not seen the show yet. Okay. Ooh, he's Aren't a game player. Yeah, you're a fan <laughs> of the game. See, so I've yeah. never played the game. I yeah. have not played the game either, but I know quite a few people that did play the game and some that have done both watched the show and played the game. So, all right. So Scotty hasn't seen it and thus has no thoughts <laughs> on last of us. Well, that's what we're getting ready. Should to we play. play the game though, Scotty? Yes, for sure. It's, okay. It's an amazing game. I really enjoyed. How many of them are there? There's two so far. Just two. Okay. Yeah. So you're not that far behind. No. Okay. We're, there's only two episodes and there's two games. I bet it took me a lot less time to play to watch the two episodes. <laughs> Just saying. All right, Scotty, thanks for joining us on the Geek Phone. We'll be back with you to talk Kingdom Come next week. Sounds good.
All right, we'll be back in a minute. All right. Welcome back. It's time for the main part of this podcast. We're here uh, today to talk about The Last of Us, Cody. Yes, uh, primarily because you don't do video game movies or TV shows. Once again, I have violated my rule that I do not watch entertainment, video entertainment made from video games. And I, di- I did. I watched it. I watched the first two episodes, which is what's available. Now, wh- what day of the week does this come out on? Is it Sunday nights? Sunday. That's like the HBO's big night, huh? Evidently. HBO, um, listen, whatever we think of HBO, which my problem with HBO is they usually um, adult it up a little too much for my tastes. Yeah. Game of Thrones um, is a perfect example of that in that like Game of Thrones isn't exactly sterile material to begin with. It wasn't. <laughs> and even then they like wanted to throw in nudity that was not in the book just randomly. And I, I get annoyed with that kind of stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm not like, look, my, I can handle things like that, but I want it to make sense. Yeah. Don't just throw it in to throw it in. Cause you're a cable network. Um, they like to, to be a little spicy. Yeah. Luckily, none of that in the first two episodes of this, you do see a cadaver, a, yeah. a body Ew. that is being examined. So like, it doesn't have any clothes, but you know, it made sense. It's not, um, as the, as the, I think the official word, it's not titillating. Yes. It's not for those purposes, but, um, yeah, so it's based on a video game. I've full disclosure, I've never played it. Never played the video game. I'd heard of it. So I've played quite a few zombie games in my day, but oh. this is not one of them. Um although the people that I talk to that I'm friends with that have played this uh say it is easily their favorite in that genre. Well, Scotty said it was definitely worth playing. And so, um, and they said that there is some good deep story building within the video game itself mm-hmm. that if you're an emotional person, you might even shed a tear. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. So I have my experience level with, the, with this was nothing uh, going in. And, um, but it messes around with a genre I'm very familiar with, which is the zombie genre. Zombies. Which, um, let's just start there. I don't know how it is in the video game. I'm, I'm aware that they made a, that there was some bustle about, they made a change to the, how it spreads. Is it not fungal in the video games? Is it a virus in the video games? I do you not know that? Do not know that off the top of my head. Well, uh, so right off the bat, like, listen, the first episode, just, you know, I'm going to speak in very broad terms here to start off with. The first episode has a hard job to do to get me hooked. 
Okay. Because it's the first episode is how it all happened, which it's an outbreak kind of scenario, which has been told on TV and in movies countless times. Even so, Cody, I found myself kind of sucked in. I, I was into the story. Now, the breakdown of society, society's kind of, those were the weakest parts of the episode because I've seen that. You know, the military uh, has to take harder control. The people, the, norm, the normal people are fighting against that. They're trying to get out of this quarantined area. Um, but the parts that hooked me in the first two episodes were the beginning. So in at the beginning of both episodes, there are flashbacks. Yes. And uh, the first episode's like a talk show in like the 50s? Uh, 50s, early 60s, 60s, that area. Where it's a scientist talking about the biggest danger to humans would be a fungal outbreak where the viral guy kind of, their epidemiologist, the viral guy kind of laughs at him. Um, and then they make a subtle allusion to global warming <laughs> and, yeah. and the possibility of this happening. And um, I got to say, Cody, the idea, the, the what what's different about this zombie story is the outbreak and the mechanics of the outbreak and it being fungal instead of viral, viral which at first I kind of I kind of giggled at. I was like, okay. But the second episode flashback where they show the the mycologist in Indonesia, in Indonesia, that was one of the most kind of riveting five minute openings to a show flashback style. And when she figures out what's happening, the terror on her face, when she, when she tells the, the military guy, like you need a bomb. You need to bomb the whole area. And then she asked to be taken home to because she wants to be around her family because she knows she knows that it's all coming to an end, that life as they know it is over like that was riveting. That was riveting. So already kind of in these first couple episodes, just the nature of what we're talking about being being different kind of hooked me. Okay, so the. It is a fungal virus in the video game as well. Oh, okay. But it's um, airborne uh, spores. Mm, where in this one, it's clear they have to be like bitten. Yes. And so. Or uh, not bitten, but like, so the spores are inside. There is a scene in the second episode, especially where it's interesting, but we can talk yeah. about it later. Um, and so like. I don't know how many years ago, but I mean, I was a young adult that I, I read about like how this, how fungus can like take over an ant's body. Like they talk about yeah. it on the show. Yeah. And, and that's a real thing. Yeah. And, um, like how some scientists do legitimately have concerns of if there was, ever a way for it to survive within the human body like could it do that to us like it does to the ants mm -hmm. and so i was hooked by this version of the zombie story just because there is some factual basis to it even though it's a very fictionalized yes version of it so if you haven't seen this yet First of all, if you haven't seen it, we're spoiling, spoiling the nerd out of these first two episodes. You should if you, have if you haven't figured it out. 
<laughs> out ages ago. Honestly, I don't know that you need to be spoiler free to enjoy this. Oh yeah. I, I think you can just kind of watch it and get lost in the story. Um, but what Cody just said is, is, is true in a broad sense. Like I think there is parts of the story, like the fungal part where it, it's very like, Ooh, I thought it, like, for instance, I watched both of them yesterday, watched both episodes and I thought about it all day today. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought all day about fungal and like all of that. And like, Ooh, is that possible? My mind was just kind of dwelling on it. Now the creatures, after 20 years, some of the ones that have been infected look very video game-ish, I would say. Yeah, and, um, but, I mean, for me, watching this and, like you said, like, your thoughts were all about fungal stuff today, and yeah. uh, after the first episode, um I was like really jazzed because I'm like, oh, they know the ant thing. They yeah. they do the ant thing. Yeah. They talk about it, and then like you see episode two, and so I I watch it as it comes out, and um, it probably makes teenagers really happy because the zombie ant existence was like the one reason they most teenagers I talked to claimed that a zombie apocalypse could happen. Yep. To which I laughed at them and said they were ridiculous, and now there's a show conceivably where it's the same thing yeah and now i'm gonna have to hear all about it um but like when they start off in indonesia and you see her uh say bomb the whole city and can someone drive me to my house because i want to spend my last moments with my family dude that they could have ended that episode after that little five minute vignette Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. It's heavy. That was super like, cause she's a mycologist. She studies fungus. Mm-hmm. And so like, it, even on the, when the military picks her up and she's like, are you sure you have the right person? She's like, what? Are you sure you have the right person? And then when like, just as the realization of what's happening slowly. And then when she finds the fungus and it's alive in the human and she drops the, and and like try and needs to get out of that room. That was chills, man. Chills. And like as soon as she asked the question, like, are there others infected? Are there people missing from this site that this person worked at? And they're like, Well, there's 14 missing. Yeah. And if this one person bit 14 people and those 14 people bit 14 more. Yeah. I mean, it just spreads like wildfire. And you're like, the only way to end it is to wipe out like all Mm -hmm. human existence in that area. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy stuff. And so um, let's backtrack a little bit to the first episode. As, As we said, the first episode has the hardest job. It has to suck you in to the story. It has to make you interested. It because this was not gonna. This show was probably not gonna survive on just Last of Us game players, right? It no. needs. It needs to get other people interested, and it's got the hardest job to do that because it has to tell this story of the falling apart of society, which is something we're used to. Um, the novel thing about The Walking Dead is they just skipped that. You're the main character they're following in the first episode of the walking dead is in like a coma or something and then wakes up and it's just happening. Mm-hmm. 
and he's by by some stroke of luck has been left alive in this hospital room and so um the walking dead had a novel way of attacking that and then they just never really in the walking dead you're not you're never really privy to kind of how everything went down uh where in this they do they tell you although the way they the way they show it happening there's a bunch of confusion um obviously it it seems more realistic in this way where uh, people are are getting infected and nobody really knows what's going on except for the military comes in tries to quarantine it off most of the first episode though i think they do a, um, a smart thing by focusing on the relationship between joel played by pedro pascal and his brother tommy played by gabriel luna and his daughter riley played by storm reed and they do a smart thing they make that first episode about kind of building the relationship there how close uh joel is obviously with his daughter how much you clearly they're struggling you know it's a struggling life uh but then this all happens the daughter spoilers does not make it out of that first night and uh then it flashes forward. And so the next time we see Joel, he's older, broken, and there's just a kind of a running theme into the second episode of Tommy's still out there somewhere, and he has contact with Tommy. Who doesn't have contact with Tommy? Yeah. Um, so what I think this show did brilliantly in the first episode, after you get the the background of the potential of a crisis mm-hmm. um, is you kind of get that first player vibe of like, you are going through this with them. Oh like, my gosh. The scene in the truck when they mm-hmm. were giving you first person view, I about got motion sick. And I'm like, I feel really connected to this now just because how, like hurried and frantic it is in some parts. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you knew instantly when uh, the dog was acting funny with the old lady, something wasn't right with the old lady. Well, I have a bone to pick here. Why is it in these movies? If the dog's freaking out, you don't go inspect the house. (laughs) You don't go outside. You don't check things out. Girl. Have you never watched a scary movie? <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, trust the dog. Even the Twilight Zone had an episode where, like, this guy he dies, and he has his dog, and uh, he's being motioned to go to heaven or what he thinks is heaven, and uh, the dog is standoffish and he growls and barks, and um, the the guy's like, well, if my dog isn't allowed in here, doesn't want to go in here, I don't want to be part of this. And he walks on. Trust the dog. And he gets to like an even nicer, more beautiful place. And uh, he's like, the the dog just runs in and he runs after the dog. And the guy's like, my name's Peter. Welcome. We've been expecting you. And he's like, what's this? And he's like, this is heaven. And he's like, no, down the road is heaven. And he's like, no, that's hell. Dogs can smell sulfur. 
<laughs> and so like that was the ju- the juxtaposition of that whole episode was trust the dog so nice twilight zone they got 60s ready. yeah yeah um so there's a 20 year jump so we see the first night and then it jumps 20 years which i think is also another interesting story point because Again, usually we're maybe a year into it, like Walking Dead. You're, it's unclear how far you're into it, but it can't have been that long. Um, zombie movies, you're de- usually you're just dealing with the outbreak, and so here this story skips ahead twenty years. It's just this little first part, this part of the first episode that you're going to deal with how everything went down originally, and I think this is a really kind of a cool way to tell the story. It's different. And again, I'm hooked in, I'm hooked with the different. And now we get, we are quickly thrust into this situation of trying to figure out like, okay, society's fallen. The government still has some sort of, you know, function, but it's more of a dictatorship, which like, look, that's realistic. That's what martial law is. Yeah. And which this part sticks true to the video game. that they flash forward 20 years um now the video game said in the future so they they changed it to be set in the here and the now versus Mm -hmm. uh when this game was first released it was set in 2033 is where it flashes forward to and you launch into the the story yeah because boston looks a little decrepit for 20 years later doesn't it um, it look. I mean, I, well, they make an illusion that it got bombed. Yeah. So I suppose. So if you're you're bombing the nerd out of Boston, it's going to have buildings collapse. But uh, watching a lot of like those History Channel shows, where like, what does it look like after humans don't exist? Yeah, that was and, a great documentary, by the way. And I watched that. <laughs> the, it's amazing to see like how plant life animal life just starts thriving without Mm. us yeah and like it takes over and completely ruins the infrastructures that we have built Mm. and so um i mean some of it might have been a little advanced but i mean living in a community where some buildings aren't upkept it is amazing to see how quickly they can fall apart. So, so we're thrust into this world 20 years after an outbreak has destroyed society. And Pedro Pascal's character, Joel, who we last saw losing his daughter and getting separated from his brother, Tommy, is now in this, uh, the QZ, the quarantine zone, right? Yep. And in, in, in or near Boston. And he is doing what he has to do to survive. It's clear he's he's dealing drugs to soldiers. Um, he's with uh, clearly in a relationship with Tess, played by Anna Tor from the wonderful show Fringe, uh, which I loved that show. Were you a fan of Fringe? I don't think I ever watched Fringe. I was just like, I was all excited. I was like, oh, look, Anna Torv's getting work. Um, I was just excited. Pedro is like staying busy. <laughs> only, only one of those reasons will be making you happy by the end of the second episode. Yes. 
Spoilers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're like smugglers. They, you know, they're like Morgan Freeman and Shawshank. They get things for people. They do. Um, but you, you clearly become aware of all these factions. So there's the government, uh, which is somewhat similar to a dictatorship. You have freedom fighters who are, you know, referred to depending on what side you're on. They're either rebels or terrorists called the fireflies. And I they, don't trust fireflies. And it's in the second episode that we're introduced, uh, you know, after Joel and Tess, after kind of filling us in in their story in the quarantine zone, we're introduced to some of these fireflies and a captive they have named Ellie, a 14 year old girl played by Bella Ramsey, who is also in Game of Thrones. Uh, she was like one of the she was like a ruler of one of the northern kingdoms or whatever in Game of Thrones. And I wish I could remember which one she was, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's been a while since I read the books. Um, but yeah, so we're introduced to her and clear, through this course of story, there's like something special about her. There's for some reason they've got her captive and she's important to them. I was hoping she had the gift of the shining, but she did not. <laughs> And so, again, I think this storytelling point that we're going to move on from this point makes this show uh, more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I really like um, their, their flashback scenes. They're not too long, but they do uh, launch for what's going to happen uh, within the story itself. Um the, again, the zombie virus thing's unique um, compared to other zombie virus things. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have a good cast. Um, and, um, I mean, I found myself on edge during both episodes at various points. Yeah. So the second episode is where you first, you know, you first get into, like, what has happened to the people that were infected. So they're they're they get away from the quarantine zone with this girl. So there's this whole um, kind of a run in between Joel and Tess as they're they're scheming to get a truck because for their for their smuggling because and also because Joel wants to go check on his brother who who he's apparently lost contact with. Who also I don't think it's too subtly hinted that he's involved with the rebels. Right? Yeah. Am I right about that? Um, he definitely has some connection because, uh, the, the lady that was in charge of the fireflies that was keeping the young girl captive, uh, Pedro Pascal's like, you filled his head with lies. Yeah. Yeah. So see, he's, he's bitter and he wants no part of this girl, but the fireflies basically mortgage, you know, their future in that region for this girl for for him to be to take this girl him and Tess to take this girl she's that important and as they're escaping in um in this episode or as they're escaping in the first episode you find out why yeah that she's infected but she's not turning so something about this girl this is where it gets a little fuzzy for me Again, I'm assuming this is taken from the video game. Yeah. This is why she's special. Th- that she's, you have to get her to wherever it is that they end up going. But if it's fungal, 
what what could like this can't be an antibodies thing um right they will explain it <laughs> do you know um i have heard but i can honestly say i have forgotten so Okay. I will not spoil it for you because I cared to not re- remember it. So then I would get to enjoy it as it's happening. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they they escape. They're on the run. Um, and then in the second episode, we get into like full on fungal zombie action. Yes. And so the thing I hated about The Walking Dead and hated is the word because my wife was a huge walking dead fan. And so I've watched all the episodes through like season eight, um, by like season three, it very little has to do with the zombies. It becomes basically sons of anarchy set in a zombie apocalypse that we have warring factions and tribes and mm-hmm. uh, we're, 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 we're going to fight each other. And well, okay. this is where this is headed though. Right. Don't you think? No, not necessarily. Cause the, the group that they're trying to reach is like outlanders. Okay. Uh, so certainly these are more dangerous than the walkers in the walking dead. Oh yeah. Cause like Within your typical zombie apocalypse, they don't have a mind. They don't function like in a hive mentality. It's just they're moaning and they're biting for no apparent reason. Um, but with this, the the fungal bodies are all connected. Oh, then that was freaky. That was. So they step on like a live fungus. And it, the fungus, they said, they, they give you the background in the episode that it goes underneath the concrete, underneath where they're walking. And so they feel it. And then all these infected people from like a mile, away. mile away start just sprinting towards this place. And you're like, that was genuinely, man, I'm on the, I was on the edge of my seat during that. So, yeah, I mean, again, these zombies way more impressive and they actually have some motivation to what they're doing versus the like the walking dead where like these zombies ah they're feeding off of their host and they need the host to to survive and also to attack others so that way they can keep growing and multiplying yeah so what was some of your uh favorite things about the first couple episodes pedro pedro pascal's wonderful isn't he oh my goodness like he steals every scene he's in like i believe he really hates this girl and then at the same time i'm like I know deep down you don't. So much of this, yeah. So much of what he does is so subtle. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's incredible. I I was a believer. You know, I kind of got on him for the Mandalorian thing. Like he was mad because you could never see his face. I'd be like, come on, don't be vain. And then I then I watched the first couple episodes of this. I'm like, all right, man, dude's got it. He's just got the goods. Dude, he does. How has this guy not won an Oscar? How's he not been in a movie where someone could actually use that? 
Because he was good. He made he's good in this. If the Wonder Woman uh, second Wonder Woman movie script would have been halfway decent, he would have won an award for it because he he is easily the best part of that movie. Yes, Um, but the script in the movie was bonkers and not good and weird ghost manipulation. (laughs) I didn't like it. Bella Ramsey is great as Ellie. Uh, I found her completely engaging from the moment she's on screen. I wanted to know more about her character. Uh, She is, um, she's just magnetic. She captures sassy youth very well. Yeah, but not in like just a generic sort of way. Yeah. Like everything about her. I'm like, okay, what's her story? I was in on her from the moment they introduced you to her and granted like my little knowledge of the game, I understand that Joel and Ellie are going to end up on the road together. Yeah. But I'm drawn to that character. And I think the actress is wonderful. And and I, she, she's very, um, I I don't want to say this in an insulting way, but she's just very much like in any 14 year old girl. She reminded me of my oldest daughter who's 14. She like the, her mannerisms. I mean, she just nails it. And I was in. I was in on her. So I did have one beef. It involved a scene with her. Uh-huh. When they get to the hotel and they're like, how do you even know what this is? And she's like, I've read a book. Duh. And then she goes over to the suitcase luggage cart and then like acts out a whole old timey luggage uh hotel carrier scene and i'm like <laughs> no you didn't get that from a book get out here get right. out here she had to have been watching some old movies or something yeah so like that was like if i had a complaint that was it yeah um I, yeah i very little to complain about the first couple episodes i think it's safe to say i'm i'm hooked in on this i'm, I'm in which is weird um because it breaks your rule. Uh, now, I'm worried. I have worries because uh, I'm, I'm worried about they have to do this right. Uh, I'm excited that there's a ton of people in this TV show that haven't appeared yet. Nick Offerman was in the, the preview trailer for the next time. Which, holy cow, this isn't an Arby's line. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, I'm watching this. And then, like, the guy that he's talking to is like, Arby's didn't just give away food. It was a restaurant. You had to pay. <laughs> um, it, the, the next episode, the trailer, it looks a little Walking Dead-ish. It's clearly, you know, an encampment of people. Um, it's got Pedro Pascal saying Raiders are going to come for you. You know, it's not the zombies. It's the other people. Yeah. Uh, that's the danger. So it did look a little walking deadish, but the story in and of itself is unique enough for me where the, he's, there's two storylines moving forward. There's whatever is going on with the girl mm-hmm. and that she's special getting her to wherever he needs to take her so they can study her. And then, What's going on with the brother? Oh yeah, the the brother thing is very interesting. Now I'm I'm very afraid that we're going to get to the end of the first season with him with some sort of cliffhanger with the brother, and I'm going to be mad. 
Is that, is that what's going to happen? Am I going to be mad, Cody? Well, there are two video games, so. <sighs> All right. Well, we'll just, we'll just have to see what happens. Um, anything else you want to say about it? I, I, I've truly enjoyed this. I was, I'm ready for the third episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we may have to do this and come on and talk about this maybe shorter segment every couple episodes if we're into it. I, I'm really enjoying it. I, for me, it's must watch TV. Um, and it fills the void of, um, good quality zombie stuff. Yeah. Um, cause like the walking dead definitely had its moments that I'm like, Oh, this is intriguing. Like I, I know that there would be warring factions when, if and when society breaks down, people will start attacking and pillaging and all that fun stuff. But like, you can't focus on it the whole time. There has to be some zombie survival in there. Uh, can we get some, can we get some thoughts and prayers for Anna Torf, the fringe girls character, Tess? We hardly do you Tess. Um, she had a weird makeout scene with fungus. Oh yeah. 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 That was freaky. That was freaky. uh, like as it was happening, I'm like, ew. Well, I think so. I, I've actually seen a documentary on the on the ants, and I think that's like how the ants pass, like face to face. Yeah, ew. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that might have been uh, biologically accurate. Slash, I was also upset with how long it took her to light yeah. her lighter, and I'm like, literally, there was a grenade on the ground. You could have just picked that up and pulled the pin. Well, I, I've seen enough action movies. Couldn't she have just shot the gas? Wouldn't that ignite it? She could have done that. <laughs> I mean, there was, or is that not a real thing? Is that just a movie? There trope? were two viable options that would have been a lot quicker. She had a gun, right? Yeah, she did. Okay. And instead she chose to make out with some creepy <laughs> mushroom head. It dude. was much more dramatic that way. <laughs> All right. What did you guys think of the last of us? Are you watching it? If you're not, you should be. If you listen to this whole episode, you should be, cause we want to talk about it. And we're honestly thinking like, you know, we, the TV shows for us to review them are a little bit more difficult. We either have to wait till they all come out and review the whole thing, but we kind of want like an ongoing segment that's a little bit shorter where we can talk about an episode or two at a time. We think that would be fun. So uh, if you're not watching it, go ahead and watch it and see what you think and let us know on the, on our social media posts for this episode. Let us know if you're watching it, if you're into it, uh, if you're, if you want us to revisit this every couple episodes, uh, obviously it wouldn't be the main thrust of every episode, but it'd be something we talk about. I mean, I can talk about how great Pedro is any day, every day. I'm sold. I'm sold on Pedro. I'm sold. Can't wait for Mandalorian. He's great. You're going to add Nick Offerman to the mix. Melanie Linsky also made an appearance in the trailer. Graham Greene? You know who he is. If there's a Native American part for like an old Native American or a chief, it's Graham Greene. He's in this. He's Uh, in this at some point. Slash like Nick Offerman is who I want to grow up to be. Amen, brother. I yeah. wish I was Nick Offerman. I, I, actually, I wish I was Ron Swanson. That's who I wish I was. Um, but like Nick Offerman actually is really good with like woodworking stuff. Yeah. Like he has his own woodworking shop. He kind of is Ron Swanson. He is. <laughs> all right. Uh, you know all. You know the drill. Follow us if you haven't. Um, review us if you haven't. Share us. 
uh, share the Facebook and Twitter posts and all that. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.